How do we match customer intent? We'll open up Google's People Also Ask and have a look. Do you want to do it at scale? Then you want to look at AlsoAsk.com. We're covering that platform with Mark Williams-Cook today on The Edge. Go! Your weekly digital marketing trends with industry trend-setting guests. Powered by your digital marketing pioneers, Site Strategics. This week's featured guest is Mark Williams-Cook, director of Candor and founder of Also Ask. Now, here's your host, Aaron Sparks. Welcome back to The Edge. This is Edge of the Web Radio. I'm your host, Aaron Sparks. Every week, we bring some amazing guests to talk about digital marketing tactics and trends in the marketplace. We unpack a key marketing topic for our digital marketing audience. Whether you're part of an agency, a freelancer, or part of a firm with a marketing department dead center in there, this show is for you. So check out all the recent shows over at edgeofthewebradio.com. Edge of the Web is brought to you by Site Strategics, the title sponsor of our show. They're pioneers in agile digital marketing. Core specialties include entity SEO, technical SEO, social media, conversion rate optimization, as well as omni-channel media marketing. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the show here. Check out everything they do over at sitestrategics.com, the results-based marketing that works for you. So if you're interested in what they can do for you, give them a call at 877-SEO for web or 877-736-4932. Check out some of uh, who's going to be coming up on the show here in the next couple of episodes. We're going to be talking to Cyrus Shepard as well as Kevin Indig. Make sure if you haven't caught more recent shows here, we had a great couple of shows with Cindy Crum, Dan Shore, and Norm Vogley. Very, very interesting guests and some fantastic topics uh, we covered there. If you're interested in being part of the show, drop us a line at info at edgeofthewebradio.com. And make sure you set your reminders on YouTube to get notified when we drop our videos of those different shows. Make sure that you check out our weekly news podcast covering the most recent digital marketing news and Google updates. We're dropping it every Tuesday to help you navigate your week in digital marketing. With all that said, now let's turn around and meet this week's industry expert guest. So let me reintroduce you to Mark Williams-Cook. He's actually the director at the digital agency Kendler in the UK. He oversees everything regarding digital marketing, and he actually gets his hands dirty in a lot of testing that we learned about uh, in our last episode. He runs the Search with Kendler podcast and uh, provides weekly coverage on search marketing industry topics and news covering SEO, PPC, and he maintains this ever-growing list of SEO tips over those. So you got to go check out Search with Kendler podcast. He's also been built a search he's done three search marketing departments for different agencies actually created those and moved on and and on and on so he's got a great history of actually instruction and and growth for those agencies he also has no pun intended created a SaaS platform called also ask.com and we're actually going to get into that this episode it's a content research tool that that actually collates and organizes people also ask featured snippet data from Google search engine result pages, right? So it's an incredibly interesting tool, and we're going to talk about it here on this segment. So welcome back to the show, Mark. Thank you again. Really excited to talk about some PAA stuff. My Absolutely. favorite topic. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it is. It's my favorite featured snippet as well. Um, so for everybody who hasn't caught up with the first episode, please go back and listen to that because this is that was kind of the preamble getting into what we're about to talk about. And it had to do with search intent 
concept, moving away from high volume, going on to zero volume keywords and uh, content and in, uh, customer intent strategies. I, really kind of feed the knowledge graph, right? So check that podcast out. So we're going to plant ourselves in PAA. So for the listeners who may have not come across that, across this, we all, we all see it because we all Google, but what is people also ask, Mark? Go ahead and tell us. Sure. So people also ask is a type of search feature in Google and Bing actually, you will see them normally in over half the searches you do. Mm -hmm. And when you do a search, normally under the kind of the first, second result, you'll see a label that says people also ask, which will give you an accordion of four questions, which are usually asked in close proximity to your search term. And if you click on those questions, you'll get two things. Firstly, when you click on a question, you'll get a small snippet of an answer from a web page that Google thinks answers that query. And you'll also then get additional questions related to the question you just clicked on. So it's a beautiful experience and it actually, boy, I, I don't want to wax poetically here, but it actually orients towards search intent, right? And as you're interacting, it unfolds another level of questions, keeps a couple of questions there that were already on the first run. But all those additional questions, or most of them, have to do with the intent of that first question. So they position these questions very strategically, and you're going to be able to expand upon this. And there's a good deal more. The first question usually is a bit about more transaction or how-to type of investigatory process, all the way down to much more higher-level conceptual what is a thing as opposed to how do I do a thing, right? So they're all kind of matched up there. And then as soon as the accordion unpacks, it is literally the rabbit hole of all rabbit holes because you can keep on clicking, keep on clicking all the way down. And you're understanding the, enti the entirety of the topic without leaving Google. That's the important thing right there. It's Google's trying to present that much knowledge to that consumer without distracting them. It's all just right there. Go ahead. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. And this is why... As I said when I last spoke to you, that we have spent actually quite a few years using people also ask data in our search campaigns and in our general marketing as well. From a user-centric point of view, they have additional what I'd call discovery value in that when you ask a question or you're researching something, the PAAs, the people also ask questions, can prompt you what are good questions to ask that you may not have considered. So if you are searching for a specific product or say like a, I don't know, a type of loan, one of the questions might be, what are the advantages compared to alternate product or, you know, this type of loan that you didn't even know existed? Right. The other concept that's important from, I think, a general SEO point of view, which is often, I think, missed or overlooked, is that the same search queries can mean different things to different people. It's very popular at the moment to try and categorize quite broad search terms. Is it informational? Is it transactional, for mm. instance, to at the most basic level? Right. And obviously, this is all, again, degrees of probability because a search term for one person might be informational, it might be transactional. And the same thing is present in PAAs, which you said is this kind of diverging graph, which is you learn more about someone's intent depending what path they take down these PAAs. Now, a fun fact about PAAs, well, it's fun for me, it's fun if you're really interested in PAAs, it's probably not something you'd bring up at the kind of the Christmas table or something. <laughs> but one thing I find really interesting about the PAAs is 
if you do a search and you get your four people to ask questions. As I said, when you click on, say, the top question, this will generate some additional questions related to that. Now, if instead of clicking on that top question, you just type that query into Google, hmm. you'll actually consistently get normally different questions. And that is, I believe, because you are expressing a different intent if you had a different starting place because it. it's in, it's inferring you did or didn't know something you've already moved stage. past that first threshold into the second threshold got it e exactly and this is one of the things when we built also asked as far as i'm aware is the only tool that actually simulates the clicks on these questions whereas everyone else i believe that gets this data mm -hmm. um, even if they're getting it live is essentially like re-googling the questions and you actually get fewer additional questions Ooh. doing this and you get different questions and when you compare the kind of graphs side by side the difference is quite significant absolutely so we're going to throw something up on the screen here to just demonstrate what mark's talking about here and i went over something wanted to throw out a concept here that uh, is near and dear to everybody's heart or it should be right baking bread so we're going to throw up on <laughs> I should probably not say that. Uh, so baking bread query, right? You, you see um, the SERP actually placing uh, recipes on there. But if you scroll down, the people also ask is intent there. The first ones are, uh, what are the steps to baking bread? Is it better to bake bread at 350 or 375? What's the temperature that you need to uh, you, do you bake bread as well as is baking bread a chemical or physical change? I just want to actually point out each of these points. So those are the starting points there. And if you actually clicked on steps, right? And this, I'm going to bring up the uh, also ask screen here. So if you go ahead and pull that one up on baking bread, because we're just going to showcase what also ask can do. If I was going to click on steps, for example, that first question, right? The breakout question, there's about five or six other questions that break out. What are the steps of baking bread? What's the secret of making good bread? What are the four main ingredients in bread? What are the ingredients used for ba baking bread? What are the three main methods of bread? How bread is usually prepared? And what are the 12 steps of a bread baking process? That is an incredible build out of the intent of what the steps are. If you actually go down to the lower rank about the chemical process, here are the other types of questions, and you can singularly see the difference here. What kind of reaction is baking bread? This is where, if they clicked on, is baking bread a chemical or physical change? Now you have what kind of reaction is baking bread? Is baking bread endothermic or exothermic? Is baking a physical reaction? Is baking an example of a physical reaction? Is kneading dough a physical or chemical reaction? When making fresh <laughs> bread, which step involves a chemical change? You can clearly see the difference of intent from the starting point and you couldn't have a better example of how Google's wanting to answer that intent. So the chart you see on the screen for everybody who's watching the video is coming from also ask and uh, is want to be able to use this as a clear example of what Mark's talking about. Sorry, I had to showcase your tool before we got to it, <laughs> Mark, but we want to capitalize on what we just talked about there. Yeah, you did, you did a great job there. And you did a great job of reading out lots of really similar search queries as I always manage to stumble over when I do that. <laughs> um, so, from a content point of view there, I mean, there's little kernels of information that I find really interesting. So for instance, we know that, you know, people are researching baking bread, they want to know the steps, that's fine. There was a lot of interest there in temperature. Mm -hmm. And there was enough queries to ask, is it better to bake it at 350 or 375, like I saw there? Yeah. So 
from a content point of view, you know, I would definitely be saying, okay, well, obviously we need to have something about the kind of temperature, but I would probably have a pull out, you know, large quote or stat talking about that specific there 350 or 375, for mm -hmm, instance, mm -hmm. to, so again, we're covering all of these kind of intent pieces exactly as as people are asking them the chemical change stuff i imagine that's probably to do with like a school exam or mm -hmm. something i'm guessing there's probably an exam pay a chemistry paper asking those kind of questions <laughs> yep, yep, yep. i haven't I haven't come across when cooking bread if people are interested if it's exothermic or endothermic um, <laughs> but as you say that gives you then what you can do as well is clicking on those nodes in also ask will continue to open up that tree. Mm -hmm. And as you said, it's almost kind of infinite in terms of it will just keep on and on and on going. Yeah, it's kind of like um, choose your own adventure books whenever yeah, we were kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the interesting question we always get asked a lot on the live chat is, you know, how do I know if I should be putting all these questions like on one page mm -hmm. or should I be making a single page for each one? And if you're doing content plans at a kind of a small, medium scale, I say to a lot of people, you know, you can actually just use common sense for these things in that if someone is searching for this information, do you think it's reasonable they would expect to find the answer to this question also on the same page? Yeah. So to take the example we used there, if I'm researching about the temperature to bake bread and there's that, I wouldn't want to then have to click off to find if 350 or 375 is better, right? This is all the same thing, but there will come a point where it makes sense to have a different page. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I stress to people is that it's okay to answer the same question twice in two different pages. That's interesting um, right there. Yeah. So what we said earlier was there are the different routes people take and there will be cases where people are on a different route and they primarily want different information, but they're going to kind of end up asking the same questions. It doesn't necessarily mean the best thing to do is literally just copy and paste the answer over because you, you know, you can just, but you can write the answer again in a slightly different way, just as you're writing the content. Mm -hmm. That said, I haven't come across any particular cannibalization issues when I have reused answers inside other articles. So, That's you know, making a single page for for questions, definitely something I wouldn't recommend. You know, again, that's a sort of fairly old school technique. And I think we've got to the stage where it's fine to answer the same question in a different context as well. Yeah. And, and uh, to further that, you if you think about that intent of that user asking that question, you can certainly do research for that, but also natively understanding your consumer of what else would they need at that juncture and being able to put that type of semantic relationship there and that note of information, right? And then starting to, to cluster different intents in different sections of information, still having a good conduit back and forth that creates that relevancy, right? That is kind of mapping to the intent structure that you're seeing inside a PAA. Absolutely. So the other reason why this data is so exciting is there's some really great popular other tools out there, like Answer the Public is, you know, really, really well-known, excellent tool. Answer the public uses Google suggest data primarily, which is based on as you start typing something, it will complete the search query. And right. tools like Answer the Public have done a great job of they kind of add the and of verses and mm -hmm. fill in the beginning and end for you. Now, the difficulty around that in terms of intent is that you're always locked in on whatever the keyword it is that you're using. So the example I used was 
I was searching for the new, uh, it was new at the time, like the Kenobi Star Wars show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you put that into a tool that uses Google Suggest data, you'll get all the questions about the show, but they will all contain Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? right? Whereas if you put something like that into Also Asked, you'll get very closely related questions that don't include Kenobi. They'll be asking, you know, who is the ninth sister or something Mm -hmm, like that related mm -hmm. to the show. So you're actually getting, as we said in the, the previous segment, you're getting questions from searches that are happening in Google displayed in the SERP, which are related to the content and the intent. And you can't get that anywhere else, which is why we've been so focused on PAA data when doing things like content briefs, um, trying to understand customers' searches and helping our clients and, and our own sites to decide what we should write about. We're proud to have Site Strategics as a sponsor of Edge of the Web. We're pioneers in the agile digital marketing methodology. Core specialties that we provide are technical SEO, including core web vitals optimization, search engine marketing, social media marketing and management, focus on conversion rate optimization, truly focused on results-based marketing that works. We've also developed a unique omni-channel media marketing and content curation process as guided by our weekly R&D, from our Edge of the Web interviews, we incorporate the best techniques for our content broadcast strategy and execution. If you're interested in what we can do for you, just give us a call at 877-SEO-FOR-WEB or 877-736-4932. There's a ledge to drop off. I'm going to match your uh, uh, analogy with another analogy, a movie analogy uh, about uh, what the uh, last crusade of, of Indiana Jones, whenever you had to take that next leap of faith off that cliff, right? That Here's the deal, is that PAA right now, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's reading, it's understanding, it's an iterative set of questions that may not exist on the page, but Google's understanding the intent and rewriting the question a, a good deal of the time. We're in a place where Google is actually starting to extrapolate from content and writing to its SERP without citation. It's actually creating its own content now based on the knowledge that it's actually collating. Uh, We're seeing it inside of even review bubbles for products that had no explicit string of characters about a particular point, but Google's reading those reviews and bubbling it up to a pill at at the top of the brand SERP that is referring to a particular factor or value of the product. It's iterative. It's now starting to write its own content. Where we're seeing things starting to come is people also search next values as opposed to also ask. So it's actually now leading people, hey, you asked this question. This is your next connection of your pathway, so to speak. Google's starting to show that up. The game now is to find the gaps of what Google doesn't know that you do know, your subject matter knows, and be able to start breadcrumbing Google with new information that it hasn't found yet. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's a really good explanation of where we are. The mum kind of project, I think update probably doesn't encapsulate how big it's going to be. It's going to be huge, absolutely. Yeah, I think the example they used was around hiking and hiking a different mountain Mm -hmm. and they were saying okay well 
people might want to ask, you know, just take a photo of these shoes and say, are these suitable for this mountain? And I'm going to go up this mountain at this time of year. What do I need? And then Google understands it's a different season. So the weather's going to be different. And like you say, it starts pulling together knowledge from elsewhere on the web and writing itself an answer to that query. You know, that's the birth of Skynet, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Just, just want to make sure. <laughs> so now I'm open-minded. Uh, as to how this is going to go. So I'm quite a proponent of AI in that I think eventually it's probably going to be able to do a better job than humans in most things, even if it can't now, because never is a very, very long time. And I've seen some very bad content written by very <laughs> real humans. Yep. Now, what I think is interesting is when it comes down to, if Google is having to construct this page, it's doing so because it thinks that's in the kind of best interest, if you like, of the user, what they want to know, mm. and because it doesn't currently exist. So I'm interested to know what will happen if you hypothetically had a page that did answer all of those things. Would Google take the risk of trying to assemble that page itself for mm. the user? Because, you know, the value of organic, as I understand it to Google, is basically to keep people using their search engine so they can make money on ads, if we're honest, which is, which, <laughs> exactly. which is why, yeah. yeah, which is why they want high quality organic results. So they just want to get there and we can't, you know, keep pace with the quality and quantity of content that ever hungry people are searching for. Right. So I agree. Yes, absolutely. It, if you are always looking ahead at the next thing, writing new content, being the first mover, there is always an intrinsic advantage to that. And it's hard sometimes, especially to get clients to do that, because if they can't see a competitor doing it, they're kind of like, well, why yeah, should yeah, we do it? Exactly. Um, but there is definitely advantage doing that. However, if you can just understand that, oh, well, look, Google's produced this page because it doesn't exist. And then you pull together with things like PAAs, the, the page that, Google hopes exists. I'd be interested to see which it would choose. Yeah, uh, we um, had we had an example. Uh, we were we were talking to uh, who were we talking to. We were talking about uh, oh, I was talking to Ben Shapiro, and we were talking about PAAs and just looking at certain terms. And it, the PAA that came up, the fourth one, it was was answering a question, but it was actually pulling from a laundromat. It was it was about laundry terms, and a laundromat came up, and it was very salesy, the actual PAA, and it's almost like this vacuum. Google abhors a vacuum and slid that thing into place, although it's not really the best value, <laughs> you know? So you start looking at the content that is fueling the PAAs, and you start seeing, okay, they're missing it here, they're missing it here. Google's going to lap up that information because you have a more solid perspective, a solid answer. It's trying to fuel these PAAs very quickly with whatever it actually understands out there. So there's not only the gap of information that it doesn't have yet, which is that blue ocean uh, goal there, but it's also, hey, you can replace some information that it's currently serving up as long as you can provide trust and value of that answer more than the one that's actually in, in line there. And I, you know, there's a number of other factors that go into authority of a page or authority of a site. So I can't say that as soon as you actually answer that, you miraculously appear, but that is a legitimate strategy. Is that correct? Yeah. So PAA generation is really interesting. And I haven't actually seen that many people do that much research on it or ask that many questions about it. Hmm. One thing that I know about it that I think is a is a 
is a shortcoming, is a flaw, is that the model is very language based. And by that, I mean, you will notice that, especially if you're in the UK and you do searches, you'll regularly get loads of basically meaningless, like US centric results oh, wow. in google.co.uk. So it will start, you know, talking about dollars or mm. it will start talking about American brands yeah. like Walmart, for instance. It seems there's no differentiation across like UK, US. It's just, you've done the query in English and these are the things related to these words I understand. So there is a shortcoming there. And I've have struggled in some cases with UK sites to kick off what are essentially irrelevant US results because they've been from kind of decent sites. Mm -hmm. But certainly, as I mentioned earlier, it's one of the tactics I've found that has worked quite well um, and it, it's cheesy and it probably won't last is, as I said, matching closer the question that Google has kind of inferred because a lot of the time it's not pulling the PAA question from the target website. It's decided the question itself. So by simply replicating the question and writing your own answer, you are making Google slightly surer that mm -hmm. that is exactly the answer it's looking for. Because again, like with traditional web search, it's a probability game. You know, it's these two pages are equal, but this one loads quicker. Therefore, right. higher probability user will be happier. All things are equal. This one has better links. It's just trying to get, this is probably the best answer I can, I can manage. So, and again, it's like you say, that's when now we're seeing all these kind of vacuums where it's kind of like Google doesn't have much choice. There's some crumbs on the floor <laughs> and it's kind of like, Yes, eh, I guess. I maybe. Like, this will do. Well, <laughs> yeah. and that's the thing. The probability is now leaning away from some of those more standard authority factors that we've come to put into our bandolier of SEO. And the authority is the relationship of the subject matter and how well you actually know your topic. So there's a new weight on the scale that can absolutely win the game in organic in the blue links, as well as in the PAAs, uh, that also makes its way into featured snippets as well. I mean, there's real estate all over the place that if it trusts how well you have linked your sub points of a subject together, it'll actually reward you in a lot of different ways. Now, the same point is still the same point is that if the answer is up on the Google SERP, right, there's a zero click place and uh, you're answering the customer and they don't even visit the website, However, you're being anointed, you're being trusted, and, and the consumer, the digital native, right, is trusting Google, and they trust who it trusts. So there's a uh, bank shot, so to speak, that is feature snippets and PAA. Maximize your client's budgets using Wix. Use every dollar towards growth and revenue driving assets by relying on Wix's enterprise-grade security and reliability. Work more efficiently using Wix's SEO automation and scalable SEO solutions to deliver sustainable results without vulnerabilities, downtime, and workflow inefficiencies for any website of any size. Fix less, grow more with Wix. Go over to edgeofthewebradio.com forward slash Wix today to learn more. So feature snippets are kind of a strategy we've really embraced where we've had smaller clients in very competitive sectors. Mm -hmm. So we've worked in some finance sectors and got people actually, despite them being featured snippets, quite significant traffic Fantastic. because we've been very specific and we've outranked um, what a very popular like national aggregator, um, like price finder sites that 
typically rank for those terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that the thing I love about featured snippets is, you know, you do it right, you request indexing, sometimes you get the ranking within a day or two days, which, you know, for SEO, when you set the expectation as well as, you know, this is a long-term thing and you can get some wins like that, it's, it is really rewarding. And yeah, I agree completely with what you say as well about, I just don't give much time to the okay, well, it's a zero-click result. People Mm -hmm. aren't clicking on it. It's kind of like, fine. But the reality is that someone will be there. So it might as well be us. Um, And again, thinking longer term in terms of digital footprint, this is where we want to be. We want to be the people that Google as a proxy is is referencing. So that means that if we are trusted to be the featured snippet, when I'm sitting at home on my sofa and I lean over to my, you know, personal assistant device and ask it the question, I'm going to be, the brand's going to be what the reply is going to come from. Absolutely. And that's where we want to be because again, this is the old thinking, I think, of these 10 blue links. It's like, oh no, we're not getting clicks. It's like, yes, understand. But this is, I still think this is a kind of halfway of where we're going to get to. And having that exposure, that digital footprint puts you you know, in good stead for the future. And the cool thing as well about if you are a smaller company and by smaller, I refer to, you know, over 99% of the websites out there, mm-hmm. these strategies are great for you because, you know, I've worked with very big clients and normally they're incredibly slow to do things. So you can take advantage of like, and um, people also ask again is a great example. The speed at which Google updates those questions is phenomenal. So I'm sure lots of people around the world have seen the complete clown circus that is the UK government at the moment, replacing <laughs> prime ministers every week. Right. Those people also ask questions. We were monitoring, we're updating on like almost an hourly basis. That's amazing. So new search terms were popping up. And if you're a company, you know, you've got a small team, you've got content writers, you can just deploy that haven't had to be bang, scheduled bang, things. Bang, yeah. yeah, get that content out and you can you can benefit from and that. And that's another thing, you're, the, your relationship with Google as it sees you answering not only some stable questions, but you're also answering with regularity new questions. You can start feeding that beast little pieces of candy. Here you go, here you go, here you go. And you're training Google to actually come back and actually trust you more and more. All right, I, I want to give you some, uh, this is a fantastic conversation, but I want to pivot over to also ask because it's one of our favorite tools. I want to give you some time in the sun on this platform. So also ask.com and we, we've, we've set the stage with PAA. That's a great place for us to have a strategy and, and content strategy is the key understanding all the subject points and the client, or I should say the customer's intent, right? That's where we should be in our content strategies. You've got, you're basically it's a, it's a, a aggregator of people also ask section of Google tying into the API. And instead of seeing questions and clicking, you actually provide a visual chart, just like we showed up here recently, showing the connections of relevant data. And it even goes deeper. It gives the user the ability to be able to see what's behind that first set of PAAs, understanding intent and you know the PAA positioning. So Mark, tell us about the history of Also Ask, and uh, you're getting a lot of great reviews out there. And like I said, we've been a customer of yours for probably eight to ten months now, and we're we're using that as a good deal of our content strategy. So thank you very much for creating that. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, I mean, building up, I mean, you got a pretty interesting career. You're planting SEO departments, but you're also building out a SaaS product. So tell me about the history there briefly and uh, what the pains were. <laughs> 
Oh, we can, we can do a big section on yeah. this. <laughs> um, so we were, as I said, we've been using the PA data for quite a while. We saw its value quite a, quite a few years ago. We had made some very basic command line type Python tools to scrape and use that data. So the interesting thing about PAA data as well is there is no API. So it's not oh, like Google. Yeah, it's not like Google suggests where you can just connect up. You have to argue with Google to get that data. Oh my. So we started using that data and we, through discussions, decided, hey, we don't see anyone doing this yet. Mm -hmm. Let's see if there's some interest in making this available. And it was November 2019, we got our first also asked alpha up, which was completely kind of free and does similar to what we do now without many of the features. So it was essentially at the time you could just put in a key phrase, it would give you the graph and there was a CSV download and that yeah. was it basically. So it wasn't until March, 2022 that we finally managed to get it released because it's very hard as anyone probably know running an agency to try and find sustained development time because we yeah. really wanted to develop it in-house as well. And again, as I'm sure anyone that's tried to develop a SaaS product will know, it's what you don't know that you don't know that hurts you, <laughs> which was there was all kinds of other complexities that we hadn't considered as we started trying to make a good product. Because I was very much of the mindset that it's done when it's done. I want to release something stable and good mm -hmm. um, and not half-baked. We ran the alpha and then kind of a beta version for over a year. We shut down the beta for about six months. Hmm. Um, we were doing well over a million searches a month at that point, um, simply because the infrastructure we would, had set up was projected to then start costing us like five figures a month to keep running it. Wow. And that's outside of staff and development costs, just the kind of web services we were using. So I decided that we couldn't obviously eat that mm -hmm. um, during the test period. So we did close it down until we were ready to go live. And we basically rebuilt the whole infrastructure because during the beta and alpha, it would take like sometimes two, three minutes to grab the data. Mm -hmm. And like many tools, almost any tool that you use is normally only there to save you time generally the data exists and you could get it manually or yourself through some means, right? So a lot of tools are there for convenience. So we wanted it to be quick. So fast forward to March, 2022, where we've released. So we put a whole new set of features in the underlying kind of performance is way better. So for a standard search, it's in the kind of seconds that it takes. And one of the cool features that I really like that we added for pro accounts, because there's three levels, which I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more um, about in a moment, but for pro accounts, you can upload a CSV of up to a thousand search terms huh. and it will generate for you a zip file containing a CSV for every keyword. And it will not only give you the questions, as you saw, it will give you the snippets that Google is currently providing as the answers, right. the URLs of the ranking websites, their page title. And we came up with a way of basically encoding which tier the question is in, in and where it's related to. So we have like a machine readable format for that clustering that Google has done as well. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, and in terms of speed, I, I did a video actually yesterday because my friend Lily Ray was asking about a tool basically to do this. And I uploaded a test where I uploaded 50 keywords and it completed in under 60 seconds. 
So, you know, that's quicker than probably you could literally copy and paste those terms into Google, let alone <laughs> scraping and exporting the data. So worth is, its is weight there, in gold, absolutely. Yeah, so it's there at scales. We've got some neat features. Like, I mean, you showed kindly there the graph. So the idea of the graph is to visually show the data, which we found really helpful mm -hmm. um, when we're doing content briefs. Yep. So we tend to give that to the writer and talk to them about it. The actual export, the CSV export, tends to be useful if people are using it with other tools. So I know mm -hmm. some people use tools like Keyword Insights to kind of mass get questions. So the the bulk search, you'll on average get around 25,000 questions back in a wow. single upload. And you can put that into something like Keyword Insights and it can do its own thing with clustering as well mm -hmm. to give you kind of um, topical groups. We've got an API coming as well. I'm touching touch my desk here, touch wood, that, that will be released <laughs> Q1 next year. So we're building that at the moment. We're doing some private testing, but there's going to be a way to connect up also ask to any tooling that you've currently got to sheets, that kind of thing. So you can pull that data straight in. That's beautiful. And I'm going to ask Jacob to pull the uh, screen back up again. So we can have a look at the visual because there is one very unique thing in this visual here is that it brings the, the, uh, the second tier of questions off of the intent of the first PAAs. But every one of those questions in that second tier have a plus sign. You click on that and then you're going deeper and deeper and deeper into customer intent and understanding. So it's a fantastic, like I said, a breakout of information. And it's as much of a semantic map as we've found with all the tools that we use here at Site. It absolutely orients towards the type of content you should have and a breakout of additional clusters. So it's not just an image, visual image, it's actually a full-on interactive series of rabbit holes that you can go down, but it actually expands further based on your pursuits. So it's, it's a very useful interactive element there. One thing I'll add to that screen that you showed there is there is an option as well in the Light and Pro accounts to do what's called a deep search, yep. which essentially takes you one level further as if you've clicked on all of those kind of tier three level things. So on average, you'll put in one question and it will return around 100, 120 questions from a single root term. So you get an even bigger view of that map. That's amazing. Yep, yep, yep. All right, so some of the features here, you also have location searching. Like I said, the visual representation, the export to CSV, um, and that's actually broken down per question, and it actually lays out the snippet information that's also populated there. You can save as a PNG. You also have search expansion for the clipped questions. You also have a saved search history as well, so you can actually go back to all of your previous histories that you were doing. So it's, it's invaluable, it truly is. Um, it inspires ideas for future posts, articles, and videos. You can also discover questions that are linked by context. And obviously it's gonna give you ideas of getting into Google snippets, right? So it should be, and we'll certainly advocate, it should be a mainstay of every content marketer's tool set because it is the, it's the shortcut of actually interacting with Google and it's got all of the information that could really literally build your entire year of content out. So, okay, I'm, I'm a fanboy, so I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. One, um, one feature we've got on the roadmap that we haven't announced yet is we're looking to add the ability to monitor questions as well. Mm -hmm. So you can set up um, an alert for if additional PAA new questions appear. 
So as you were saying, the importance of kind of staying on the edge of that content and feeding Google. So if there's particular topics that you really want to kind of have ownership of, mm -hmm. we can check those on a regular basis and pop you an email when new questions start surfacing. Fantastic. So that's that's coming next year. That is awesome. <laughs> that's even better. Uh, Jacob, go back to that uh, that dashboard for also ask. I want to deep search real quick on baking bread. So go back to the history and then go back to... Yeah, go back to the dashboard and see that last one I just did there. Click on that guy. And that's the full deep search, everybody. And, and if you're listening to it, go on to the video and actually see this because that's the breakout of the full-on tiers of all of those different questions. It's humongous. <laughs> Very cool indeed. Let me tell you a little bit about our new sponsor, SE Ranking. SE Ranking is a cloud-based platform that offers a comprehensive set of tools for SEO and online marketing professionals. Their platform includes a site audit, competitor analysis, website ranking, keyword suggestion and grouping, backlink monitoring, automated and professional reporting, and much, much more. As a new sponsor of Edge of the Web, we want to share who they are and what they're offering. We have a contest. It's the SE Rankings Checklist Challenge. If you complete the challenge, you'll get one month of the Pro 1000 subscription for free. So go to edgeofthewebradio.com forward slash SE Ranking. You'll get a free use of the Pro Level software package for two weeks. And here's what you have to do to complete the checklist. Create a project, add at least five keywords, find five competitors via the competitive research tool and add them to your my competitor section run a website audit and show what issue you're going to fix do a backlink check and upload your backlinks to the backlink monitoring tool add any page to the page changes monitor that's in the website audit section and show the graphs of history of changes Send your screenshots of completion of these steps to the email that you'll receive when signing up and you'll receive a full month of Pro 1000 service. And one Edge listener will get a full year business package. We'll announce that on our February 14th podcast. Not kidding around, this is a $2,500 value. So go over to edgeofthewebradio.com forward slash SE ranking to sign up now. Mark, I got to wrap up here, but uh, I, I love the conversation. We'd love to have you back on and talk about these areas in depth. But uh, I'd love to pivot around and ask you a few last questions. What bugs you uh, about your industry right now? <laughs> and um, that's a whole other show, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other show. I, I think at the moment, we tend to be quite polarized in our view of what works and what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So I think we went through a phase of everyone talking about like, digital PR and you know that was kind of the only way to build links and now I feel that the pendulum has swung back and I see lots of people saying basically links don't matter just do content you know and the, the truth as always is somewhere in the middle so I think sometimes it's a little bit disingenuous people have a, a motivation to want to push you towards a particular tactic mm -hmm. um, that and always TikTok SEO I can't even go on it <laughs> mm -mm. And oh by that, Lord. I mean the SEO advice on TikTok, yeah, yeah, yeah. not necessarily optimizing. Can we just it. like, can we just move away from TikTok, please? <laughs> please. All right. I think I'm just too old. <laughs> yeah, I think so. All right. So conversely, what excites you about your industry right now? We've already talked about it in a number of different ways on the show here, but uh, encapsulate that for us. Yeah, I think it it is. We are at this precipice of search changing so moving we are finally getting pulled away kicking and screaming from these 10 blue links to 
this more knowledge kind of graph based search. We're seeing it with feature snippets, with PAAs, with the knowledge graph. And it's exciting because the stuff that should have been working for the last 10 or 20 years is kind of starting to pay off more now. You know, I will tell anyone that asks when I was beginning my career in SEO, you know, we were buying lots of links because it was working really well for a really long time and making people very, very successful. That isn't something we do at all anymore because I think there are better long-term strategies now that you can realistically still rank if you put the effort in. So that's a nice place to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Uh, so we certainly want to promote, like we have today, also ask.com. Joe, check that out. You, know, you have a free piece as well as a paid piece, and the light is relatively inexpensive. Also, check out the SEO podcast that they have. It's hosted by Jack Chambers Ward, and that is Search with Candor. Big fans of that show, and uh, you're doing some great work over there. Uh, some really top-notch guests that are coming through your doors there. So congrats on uh, on that show. Thank you. That I, I have to say that's all down to Jack. So he's done a really good job at kind of taking the steer there, getting those guests in. And he, yeah, he's really great. Like you have been um, Fantastic. Kind of getting well, conversation going. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, uh, with that, we're going to wrap up, Mark. We'd love to have you back on the show in the future, especially whenever you're going to be rolling out that additional feature in March. So can we can we have you back then? Yeah, absolutely. I said next year. I mean, like you've now said March, <laughs> but, um, so I'll just stick that on the roadmap for March. Uh, we yeah, pin, we pinned it. We pinned it. <laughs> I'd absolutely love to come and talk about that and Fantastic. show it working. And, right. Yeah, hopefully. All right. Well, thanks so much for your time today. And uh, for all of the listeners, make sure you listen to the first segment of this show. Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Uh, hey, track markdown at the taffer boy t-a-f-f-e-r boy on twitter uh, also track him down uh, on linkedin at mark seo and uh, hey all things being equal track us down as well at edge web radio on twitter as well thanks to everybody here at the show thanks to our sponsors and make sure that you check the first segment of mark's episode because we want to make sure that you get the preamble here as well. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Edge of the Web on YouTube so you can get notified when we drop our videos out there. And hey, you know what? If you like the show, why don't you give us a rating? Go over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash edge today and let us know how we did on this show and uh, other shows if you're interested because that's how we come to the top of the SEO algorithm inside of, uh, inside of iTunes. And that's how we reach others that haven't heard us before. So thanks so much for listening and uh, thanks for being a member of The Edge. From us over at Edge, stay safe, stay well, and do not be a piece of cyber driftwood. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Yeah.